New Vision is a church that is about guiding people to lives of gospel transformation. Whether this is your first time listening with us or you're a regular listener, we're so happy that you're here. Monday through Friday, we release a podcast studying through a book of the Bible. Right now, we've focused our attention to the Gospel of John. Again, we're happy that you're here. We know God's going to do something great. With us, we have our college pastor, Dakota Logan. All right. Well, Robert, thank you so much. And we are in the last day wrapping up the Gospel of John, this amazing Gospel. And we're going to be going from chapter 20, verse 19, all the way through the end. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV. And let's just dive in. There's so much here, so let's go for it. Starting in verse 19 of chapter 20. On the evening that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he looked at Thomas and he said, Thomas, place your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to him, he said to them, well, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. 
When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place. We're going to come back to that. They saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus stood, excuse me, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. So with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they finished breakfast, Peter said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Jesus is speaking to to Peter here, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to the Lord, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you did not want to go. This was said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? John's talking about himself right here. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the whole world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Wow, this is the ending of this amazing gospel. And I want to focus on the emphasis that we find here in two people specifically. And the first one is Thomas. Thomas, he was the doubter of doubters of the group. He was a skeptic. I like to think he was probably a bit of a cynic. You know, he needed the proof. He needed the empirical evidence. If he was going to be all in on something, he needed to know that it was going to work. He was probably like the the Microsoft Excel kind of guy. You know, he'd probably say to a guy like Peter, hey, Pete, I know that I love your passion about all this, but I got to see the numbers and I got to see the bottom line on all this and and know know for sure how it's going to shake out before I'm going to be all in. This was the type of guy that Thomas was. And John makes sure to add this interaction between Thomas and Jesus at the ending of his gospel. And I got to ask why. Here's what's true. The Lord can turn any skeptic into a believer. I think that's one of the things that John wanted us to see. The Lord can turn any skeptic into a believer. Jesus says, hey, Thomas, blessed are those 
who have not seen and yet believed. And I think that John knew that generations of Christians that were to follow might struggle, just like Thomas, to believe that the resurrection really happened. And what John's wanting us to know, we can have confidence that our faith is grounded in a true historical event, the resurrection of Jesus. And the fact that the resurrection happened itself, that's amazing enough for me. But I think what means even more for us is what the resurrection means for us. Yes, it's, it's awesome that it happened, but what the resurrection means for us, I think is even more amazing. Because he goes on to say in verse 31, this is John, he says, hey, these things are written. I've written all these things for you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So by the name and the authority of Jesus, when we place our faith and trust in him, then our sin debt has been paid for. The victory over death has been won, and we ultimately have the hope of eternal life with him in heaven forever. Now, And if that doesn't feel like an amazing ending to a book, I don't know what does, but he continues to go on in chapter 21. And I I think, you know, if you've ever read a book and you can see the table of contents, you know, at the end of the last chapter, sometimes there's like an appendix or, you know, kind of like a sign off by the author or whatever. It kind of feels like that because the end of chapter 20 could easily be the ending of the book. But John goes back in and he wants to make sure that we know how Peter's story ended. So now we have Peter that John's focusing in on. Now, Peter was not the calculated risk taker like Thomas was. He he was always ready to jump in and I think probably had some greater faith than most of the disciples. But just a few nights before, Peter had made the biggest mistake of his life. He had denied being a follower of Jesus and turned away when Jesus needed him most. So I can't imagine the shame and just the weight, the shame and the guilt that Peter had been walking around with and what he was feeling. But Jesus appears again, and this conversation is specifically directed towards Peter around this charcoal fire where Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter's like, finally, after the third time, he's like, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, what was Jesus doing here? Why did he ask him three times? Why was he around this charcoal fire? Well, the Greek word for this type of fire that Peter and Jesus were talking around, this charcoal fire, is only found one other time in the whole Bible. And that one place is in John 18, 18. And it was the kind of fire that Peter was warming himself around the night he betrayed Jesus. He was warming himself around a charcoal fire when he had denied that he knew Jesus three times. And now Jesus is bringing him back to that moment for him to remember his greatest mistake. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, Peter, I'm stepping into this this place with you. I want you to look past this. I want you to move on from this. And... What we see from from this part of the story is that Jesus can redeem even our greatest failures. And that's an encouragement to me, and I hope it is to you too. And so I hope that today this encourages you and his final command to Peter, hey, follow me. It doesn't matter what I'm going to do with John, you follow me. Hey, let that be our desire as we have walked through this journey of the gospel of John Let us try to take this final command that we see in the gospel of John, this, hey, Jesus looking to us, say, hey, follow me. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. That that follow me is a continual process. We're choosing every day to follow Jesus and to look more like him and to try to grow in our relationship with him, to fight sin, and to try to share him with those around us. 
And so I hope that that is our desire to continue to make decisions for our lives and our families to be influenced by this call to follow Jesus every day. So I hope this is encouraging for you guys. This is the end of the Gospel of John. You guys have a blessed day. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.